Welcome to Grace Community Church this morning. We're glad that you're here. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Teresa Breeding. I am the Women's Ministry Director and one of the teaching pastors here at Grace. And I get to speak to you this morning, continuing on in our series called A Red Christmas. And I am already having a great Christmas. I feel like it's Christmas morning. All these kids up here singing, such a blessing. And I have three of my former youth members to show up this morning and surprise me. Tyler and Hunter and Cody, I couldn't be more tickled. I feel like it's it's a blessing, blessing to my heart. So I'm glad you guys are here. Before we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for each person that's here this morning. And I thank you for each person that's watching online. Lord, we have chosen in this busy season to come here and to focus on you. Lord, I pray that you will speak to us, that you will make me your mouthpiece, and that you will speak to your people this morning, that we will open our hearts and our minds and remove all of those distractions and hear what you have to say to us. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, a red Christmas. That's what we've been that's what we've been calling this series and we have really been trying to focus on the true reason for the season. And the main thing that we've really wanted to get across to you in this series is that that baby Jesus came to die. That was the purpose of him coming was to die for our sins. And we look back in the book of Genesis over the past year, we've studied the book of Genesis very extensively. And in the very beginning, Adam and Eve sinned. And when they sinned, they hid from God. They hid from God. He didn't hide from them. They hid from him. I think so many times we feel like that when we do something wrong or when we sin, that God distances himself from us, that he doesn't want us anymore. And that's not true. That's not true. We distance ourselves from him because of our shame. But as Adam and Eve hid from him, and he went looking for them. He sought them out. And he sacrificed an animal, and he took that skin, and he covered their sin and shame. It's the first, it's the first sacrifice of an animal, the first shedding of blood in the Bible for sin, to cover the sin of mankind. And we see, we see all throughout the Bible the sacrificial shedding of blood to atone for sin. Animals killed to sacrifice for the, the, the sins of mankind. We see in Hebrews 9.22, it tells us that for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And just a few weeks ago, Pastor Dennis talked to us about the Passover. If you remember, the Passover was when each family was told to take a spotless, perfect lamb... And they were to kill it and to spread its blood over their doorpost as a sign that they were followers of God. And then the death angel would pass over their household. And their firstborn male in each family would be spared, would be saved because of that blood and because of that sacrifice. And now here we are at Christmas time and we're celebrating the birth of our perfect spotless lamb come to shed his blood for us to be the ultimate final sacrifice for our sins so that no longer animals would have to be sacrificed because he covered it all. 
this beautiful child born in a manger is hard for us to think about. But that beautiful little baby with his sweet little precious little tiny hands, those hands would someday grow into the hands of a strong man and have spikes driven through them for us. Those tiny little baby feet, those tiny little baby toes would one day be nailed to a cross. That precious little forehead that his mother kissed would one day be crowned with thorns for us. Because, see, this child came with a purpose. He came for a purpose. He was born to die. From the minute he stepped foot on this earth, he lived in the shadow of the cross because he came for a purpose. Those wise men actually had it right when they brought those strange gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, not the typical gifts you would take to a child. But they had some insight. You see, they they brought gold because they knew that he would someday reign as king. And they brought frankincense because frankincense was something that the the high priest would use in the temple. They would burn that in the temple as they made the sacrifices for the people. And they knew that, that this Jesus, this baby, would someday be our high priest, representing us to God. And they brought in myrrh, which was the strangest gift of all, because myrrh was used for embalming. So that would be like taking formaldehyde to a baby shower. Not the ideal gift. But they knew that this king... This high priest would one day die for us. You know, it's like I look out there in the gym and we're collecting gifts for the the Plateau Pregnancy Service. We call it our uh, baby shower for Jesus. And we collect those gifts and we give it to the Plateau Pregnancy Service, which is a great organization here in Cumberland County. We're blessed to have it. But I looked out there this morning and I saw a bunch of diapers and onesies and things like that. But I didn't see any gold or frankincense or myrrh. That would just be weird, right? <laughs> that would just be weird. But these, these wise men, they had insight. They, they, they knew what was up. But the people, the people would need a little bit more convincing because they didn't expect Jesus to come as a baby. That was a surprise. And I think Christmas sometimes is always filled with surprises. You know, It's like I heard the story of a woman who, she was at home, she was baking Christmas cookies, and she heard a knock on the door, and so she went to the door, and there was a man standing at the door, and he was obviously down on his luck. His clothes were worn and tattered and, and dirty, and he needed money, and he had come to ask her if she had any jobs that he could do around the house so that he could earn some extra money. And she said, well, actually, I do. She said, I have a porch out back that needs to be painted. Can you paint? And he said, yeah, I can paint. I'm a good painter. And she said, okay, well, I have two cans of paint here, and if you'll go out back and, and paint my porch, then when you're done, if you do a good job, and I expect that you will, then I'll pay you what you're worth. He said, okay, I'll do that. And he took the two, the two cans of green paint, and he went out back, and she went back to baking her cookies, and she didn't think much of it. And then a little while later, a few hours later, he comes back to the door. And she said, she said are you done? And he said, yeah, I'm done. He obviously had paint splattered all over him. She, he said, she said, did you do a good job? And he said, yeah, I did a real good job. But there's one thing that you need to know, ma'am. That's not a Porsche. That's a Mercedes. <laughs> Surprise. 
Not always what you expect. <laughs> yeah, there's my guns. <laughs> and I heard a story about a lady who, she was telling her husband about her dream. And she said, I had the most wonderful dream last night. I dreamed that you bought me this beautiful diamond necklace for Christmas. It was the most beautiful necklace I've ever seen, and it made me so happy. What do you think my dream meant? And he said, well, you'll have to wait till Christmas to find out. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and then Christmas came. It took forever to get there, but Christmas came, and he gave her this beautifully wrapped package, and she opened it up, and it was a book called How to Interpret Your Dreams. Christmas isn't what you always expect it to be, right? <laughs> Sometimes there are surprises, and I think that the people were surprised when God sent his son to earth as a baby. They were expecting an adult. And he didn't send him to Rome, which would have been the obvious choice. That was the epicenter of the world at the time. It would have been like the New York City of today. But no, he sent him to a little, a little town in Bethlehem. And he, he was born not in some fancy hospital with expert doctors and nurses to be placed in a golden crib with satin sheets. I mean, he was the child of God, right? But no, he was born in a stable, and he was placed in a manger, which is a feeding trough for animals. If you've ever been in a stable, it's not exactly the most sanitary of conditions to give birth to a child. Didn't smell like baby powder. No, it was a stinky old stable in a small little town called Bethlehem in Judea. A man of humble beginnings, but he had come to save the world. To provide the ultimate sacrifice to cover our sin and shame. Listen to what God says through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 18. He says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now scarlet, I found out, was, was a dye made from worms that were crushed. So I find it interesting that something had to dye to make this color. But then crimson, crimson referred to a cloth that was dyed twice. It was double dyed. And so the idea behind this is that a crimson stain could not be removed. A crimson stain was permanent. And so what God is saying here is that you and I have a crimson stain over our souls from our sin that cannot be removed. No person, no pastor, no priest, no religion, no organization, no church can remove that stain. But he can. He's the only one. Who can? David said in Psalm 51 7, Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. I know when I think about Christmas, I think about a white Christmas. I would love to have a white Christmas. So I researched it, and since 1955, it has snowed on Christmas in Cumberland County seven times. Yeah, just seven times. So statistically, we got about a 5% chance. Not great odds. But if you're, if you're an optimist, there's a chance. You can hope for it. But I would love to have a white Christmas. I would love to look out on the snow and the lights and all. It's just all so peaceful to me. 
I think about it like Roger and I, we just moved from a much larger place to a smaller place. And we're still kind of getting settled in, still kind of trying to find a place for everything. And so we got a lot of stuff piled up outside. We've got blocks piled up and wood piled up and we got a wrecked vehicle out there and a lawnmower. I mean, we got stuff, lots of stuff out there. We joke that it looks like Sanford and Son out there. <laughs> but if it snows, now if it snows, then it'll all be covered with a big white blanket. It'll just be mountains and valleys of beautiful white crisp snow. It'll be beautiful. Cover up all our junk. Maybe you have the same problem. You need your junk covered up. Or maybe if your yard isn't perfect, or, you know, we all have dead, our trees look dead this time of year out in the yard, and that snow covers them, and they all look so beautiful. So if you could envision with me for just a minute all that junk in your life, the sin and the shame that you've had in your life, And I want you to picture just a nice, soft, white snow falling down to cover all of that. It's a nice, beautiful, white, pure blanket over all of your sin and shame. That's what God sent his son to do for us. And that's what Christmas is all about. In this passage in Isaiah, God is speaking to the religious people. He's speaking to his people who go to his temple regularly and worship him and make sacrifices. Yet they still had sin in their lives. A lot of it. A lot of it. They, they looked good on the outside, but like the Bible tells us, the world sees our outward appearance, but the Lord sees our heart, right? The Lord sees our inside. Their inside wasn't quite that good. They were, like Pastor Dennis explained a few weeks ago, they were the keepers of the law. But when it came to keeping the law, they weren't quite as good, right? But they were more into the show of it. They were more into the appearance of it. And if we're not careful, we can fall into that same thing, where we're more concerned about the appearance of Christianity than we are about really being that inside where we're more worried about what other people think than who we actually are. And God sees it all. He sees it all. He sees what goes on behind closed doors when no one's looking. And he knows who we truly are. And I think that this time of year, God wants us to really get it. He wants us to go deeper. He wants us to go beyond the decorations, beyond all the fluff and the frazzle and dazzle. He wants us to go deeper with him into the true meaning of Christmas. Did you know that 93% of Americans own a Bible? 93%. Because these days, if you have a cell phone, then you have a Bible, right? You know, you can download the Bible app. So everybody has a Bible. And they carry it with them everywhere they go. Right? If I had told my granny that 20 years ago, if I had said, Granny, in the year 2020... 93% of Americans are going to own a Bible and carry it with them everywhere they go. She'd have thought I lost my mind, right? It still sounds a little bit unbelievable to us, and we're living it. 
but it's the truth. Of course, we also know that, that owning a Bible and reading a Bible are two different things. And reading a Bible and applying it to your life are two different things. But actually, statistics from 2019 say that 65% of Americans claim to be Christian. 65%. So with all that religion in the world, you would think that the world would be a little bit better, right? A different place. Because just imagine if all of us were to really walk the talk. If we were to really worship God and love God as much as we love football. Here in the South especially, we love football, don't we? And, and I love my Vols now, don't get me wrong. I love my Vols, good or bad, I love my Vols, but I love my God more. You know, we're, we're going through a pandemic where people are afraid to come to church but not go to a ball game. They're not afraid of that. You scan the crowds, the, the camera scans the crowds at a football game, and it can be a blizzard. People were out there all bundled up just toughing it out. And then you got those guys with the, their team name painted across their bellies, you know, because their mamas are so proud. <laughs> They're on TV. <laughs> That's my son. Uh, but one snowflake falls, and it's too bad to come to church, Right? Or let your team score a touchdown. The band starts playing their song. Good old Rocky Top. Woo! Right? Everybody's hands are in the air. Woo! Our team scored. But at church, during worship, can't raise our hands because heaven forbid the person beside me might think I'm a fanatic because I'm some kind of Jesus freak. <laughs> we got our priorities out of whack, guys. And maybe you don't watch football, that's okay. I'm sure you can relate it to something in your life, a concert or something else. But we, we celebrate our team victories more than we celebrate the victory that we have in Jesus. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was the greatest victory in the history of the world. And we celebrate our teams more. He shed his blood for us, his red blood. That's why we call it a red Christmas, not because Santa's suit is red or holly berries are red or red is the favorite color of your wrapping paper. No, it's because that blood that Jesus poured out on that cross for us, that red blood was like that white snowfall to cover our sins and shame. And Satan tries so hard to stop it. He tried so hard throughout the whole Bible, he tried to prevent the, the birth of Jesus. He tried to interrupt the lineage of Jesus Christ. All the way from, from Pharaoh to Haman to Herod, he tried to interrupt that birth line, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. So what's the next best thing? Is to distract us, make us forget about the birth. Of that child. Make us forget that that's what Christmas is about. Satan doesn't care if we celebrate Christmas. You know, we can, we can, we can go broke on presents and we can decorate our house with a bazillion light bulbs and, 
and we get drunk at the office Christmas party. He'd be happy about all that. He don't care as long as we don't celebrate Jesus, as long as we forget about Jesus. And he's really good at this. He's really good. I even had trouble, trouble preparing this sermon this morning because I was distracted. I was shopping, and I was wrapping presents, and I was writing cards, and I was doing all of those things. And I was too distracted to write my sermon. He's good. He's real good. So what can you do to ensure that Jesus wins this battle for Christmas? Number one, just be be aware. Be aware. Be aware of his tactics. Be aware of where your focus is. Don't get sucked into all of it. And number two, shift your focus to Jesus. Yeshua. It's a name that means deliverer, rescuer. His name embodied his mission. When the angel came to Joseph and he told him that his his wife-to-be was going to give birth to the Son of God, he said in Matthew 121, she will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save, he will deliver, rescue his people from their sins. You know, every Christmas we talk about this because every Christmas we fall into the same traps. Even all throughout the year, if somebody mentioned Christmas to you, what would you think of? Trees and lights and presents. We don't automatically think about Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Because that's what it's all about. And, and those things aren't bad, the presence and the lights. Those aren't, things aren't bad unless they steal your focus and that's all you think about. Unless you forget about the baby. Because you know, the, the purpose of Christmas is not so you get a few days off from work or a few days off from school, or so that you can, you know, go broke ringing up your credit cards to give people presents that they're not going to remember next year. How many in here could tell me every present that you got for Christmas last year? Anybody? Okay. Let the record show nobody. (laughs) Nobody raised their hands. Yet that's what we're focused on. And the greatest gift of all is the one that we cannot forget. We cannot forget. Like I was reading a story about a boy who, one of the boys that was in the, he was in one of the school shootings a few years ago. And he was hiding in a closet and the gunman was right outside. And in that closet he just knew that this was his last moments on earth. He knew that this was the end. And so he took out a piece of paper, and he wrote a note to his family, and he said, I love you so much. I'm here now. And he drew a cross. Because he wanted his family to know that if he died, he was in heaven. Now, thankfully, he didn't die that day. But it got me to thinking. You know, we, we, we sit here and we talk about eternity, and it means something. It does. It means something. But when you're hiding in a closet from a gunman or or when you're a soldier on a battlefield in a firefight, 
Some of our veterans know what that's like. Or when you're in ICU and you don't know if you're going to make it out. Eternity takes on a whole different meaning. It becomes immeasurably, indescribably precious and valuable. Not your house, not your car, not your 401k or the balance in your bank account or that diamond on your finger. None of that means anything. In that moment, they all mean zero. Eternity. Eternity means everything in that moment. That's the only thing that will give you hope. And that's why Jesus came as a baby to live and to die so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven. So that when you die that physical death, your soul goes to be with the Lord. That's why he came. So believe me, those gifts under that tree are not the reason for the season. Far from it. It's not even the birth of Jesus Christ. That's not even the reason for the season. It's the reason for his birth. That's what we celebrate. The reason for his birth. Because actually, there's no salvation in the birth of Jesus Christ. There's no salvation in the life of Jesus Christ. The the perfect, sinless life that he led. There's no salvation in the teachings of Jesus. You could know them, have them memorized forward, backwards. There's no salvation in that. There's only salvation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you believe on that, you will be saved. And that is what he's offering to us today. To accept his child. And it's an offer. It's an offer. You can take it or leave it. Your eternity depends on it. But it's an offer. The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. It's up to you to open the door. He's not out there with a bulldozer ready to knock your house down. It's up to you to open the door. Open it. Open it wide open. If you've ever been to someone's house where you you go to the door and you knock, they take forever to come to the door. You you knock again. You start to wonder if they're even home. You You know that's their car in the driveway. So you knock again a little bit harder. They finally come to the door and they look at you like, what? What do you want? What are you here for? You selling something? You feel real welcome, right? It's like my parents, if you go to their house, they know you're coming or if they see you coming, you know more out of the car till they got the door open. Hey, good to see you. Come on in. Are you hungry? Now that's feeling welcome, right? You ain't even hardly out of your car yet. It's like our, our oldest daughter, Rio, she's, she went over to their house a couple of weeks ago. And she's a teenager, plays her music way too loud, way too loud. She said she pulled in the driveway, and my mom was already standing at the door. Hey, I heard you coming. <laughs> Probably from a mile away. But uh, <laughs> that's, 
That's the kind of welcome our, our Jesus deserves into our life. He deserves that kind of welcome into our lives. The Bible says that the wise men said, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Matthew 2.2. 2. And it says that they followed that star, and when it stopped over the place that the child was, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly. That's what we're going to do next week. It's the Sunday before Christmas, and we're going to join together in here, and we are going to worship our Lord and Savior exceedingly. With great joy, we are going to worship our Lord and King that came to this earth to live and die for us. Exceedingly, with great joy. We're going to sing songs. We're going to read some scripture. We're going to take communion. We're going to light some candles. And we are going to celebrate Him. Now listen, I know it's been a rough year. And I know a lot of you are going through some hard stuff, you know, physically, emotionally, financially. And I know some of you have lost loved ones this year. And you feel like maybe you don't have anything to celebrate this Christmas. But I challenge you to shift your focus. Because we're not celebrating Christmas. We're celebrating Christ. We're going to shift our focus and we're going to celebrate Him because He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. And if you've lost someone this year, celebrate for them. Celebrate for them. They are celebrating Christmas with Jesus. They are worshiping Him in person. How great is that? And if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you'll do that someday too. And what a reunion that will be. He sent that baby to earth to live for 33 years and die so that we could spend forever with Him in heaven. And that is worth celebrating. Because when we get there, Like those kids sang this morning, oh, what a glorious day that will be. What a glorious day that will be. Thank you, Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son to this earth to die for us. Lord, that you... You loved us that much. We love because you first loved us so much that you sent him. And we thank you for that. Lord, may our lives reflect that during this season and always, but especially during this season, Lord. May we we represent you well. May we keep our focus on you and share you with the world because you are what it's all about. Let us not forget that. We love you and we praise you. May everything we say and everything we do glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.